Benjamin is another internet friend of ours that we really just vibe with. He took it upon himself to form this little study group for young marketers, and that's absolutely with a Z. <laughs> we chat monthly about random things, just going on in our roles and how everyone is doing as a human. He leads the content team over at Active Campaign. That's another tech company in Chicago here with me. He started with Active Campaign and just kind of like really got in when he, they started building out a team and was kind of like foisted into leadership, like super young. Um, so we chatted a lot about that. Yeah, we had this whole plan and outline for Benjamin, but it immediately shifted when he started talking and telling us a little bit more about his growth and transition into this leadership role, especially as someone who's closer to our age than maybe our parents' age. So obviously we had so many questions to ask. And so we had so much to say about not only working within a pandemic, but also working with people who are peers who are older than you and what that dynamic looks like and how to have the confidence to know that you know what you're doing even when you could be the youngest person in the room. So we asked Benjamin a shit ton of questions that he was absolutely not prepared for because we went totally off script. So enjoy the conversation. What is up? We didn't plan this. We promise. <laughs> you missed. I like. Whole, yeah, you missed the whole reaction. We both, I signed on and I was like, "You're wearing the same thing as I am." She, she logged on and I cracked up. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just go for it? Let's do it. Let's okay. go for it. Okay. So intro, intro. We talked about you a ton. Okay, so give us a quick rundown of like what you do and the specific part of it that you really enjoy. What does Active Campaign do? What size company are they? Just like paint the picture for us. Yeah, totally. So my name is Benjamin. I'm the director of content at Active Campaign. Uh, Active Campaign is a customer experience automation platform with about 750 employees. Customer experience automation that's like take all of the channels that you use in your marketing and automate it. You can either do that from Active Campaign. Uh, or you can connect all the integrations and then uh, automate based on the data that you get from them. Uh, and we've really grown a ton in the last few years. When I started three years ago, we were at 200 or so employees and up to 750. Uh, oh, I started as, shit. yeah, crazy, crazy fast. Yeah. Uh, and I started as like an individual contributor. I was a, a writer on my first day. My boss put in his two weeks notice. So I was like, oh, here we are in, in the wilderness of, uh, of tech for the first time. Uh, but it's been like this crazy wild ride where uh, nine months after that, I was promoted to manager and was able to hire my first direct report. Six months or so after that, uh, I got approval to hire three more people. And then uh, when our CMO came in towards the, I guess it was the end of the third quarter in 2019, she organized some teams differently, consolidated some stuff, and I wound up leading content across uh, a written content blog, like the stuff that I was doing before, but then also uh, video content multimedia. I now lead our customer community teams and automation recipes, which are like templates that you can use in our platform, uh, are all on my team now. So we are, I think if you count me and the role that we're hiring, it's, uh, it's 13 people on my team right now. Wow, that's awesome. That is insanity. I have 
so many questions. My first question is mm -hmm. what was going through your head when your manager left to put in his two weeks and how did you, were you like, did you go into that role thinking that you wanted to be a people manager and you wanted to lead a department? Or did you think that that role was going to kind of help you become more of a senior content writer than and go the individual contributor track? Or did you take that job to be a people manager and it was just fast tracked a little bit? I definitely didn't take it with being a people manager in mind. Uh, I'll be honest, the, the impetus for taking it initially was let me get out of the previous job, mm -hmm. at least a piece of it. And then another piece was when I, I had not heard of, or I had only loosely heard of Active Campaign before uh, starting the, the hunt. But then when I started researching it, I was like, oh, wow. When I graduated college, there were 15 people at this company and they're now at you know, whatever it was, 150 and then 200 by the time I actually started. Mm -hmm. That's pretty insane. Uh, you have to imagine that there's some growth that happens there personally. And you know, what <laughs> What did I think when my boss left? I think it was like, well, here we go. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Like, I thought I just left the crazy place and like I was getting out of a crazy situation and then your first day you're like, oh, okay, this is just how the world works. <laughs> here, here we go. It was sort of nice in a sense in like, suddenly I went from having a boss who had two direct reports to having a boss who had 10 direct reports. So like if I could, I had a lot of freedom essentially. Like we weren't immediately hiring a head of content at that point. And I, of course, now I am the head of content. Mm -hmm. So it was just, okay, well, we're, you have to do something. So you, and I don't necessarily know what you have to do because I wasn't the head of content, former VP. Uh, uh, saying that. And um, I just sort of ran with it. I, I looked at the situation. I was like, we had never really done a bunch of keyword research or anything like that. And that's where my background was at that point. Mm -hmm. And there'd been a lot of blogging happening. So I finally was like, let me, let me just like add a pinch of SEO to this, to this mix. We'll, uh, we'll cook it all up and we'll start seeing what the results come back as. Uh, and after, you know, the nine months, like we could look, we were, had started at like 8,000 or so monthly organic visitors to our blog. And by the nine month mark, we were at like 20, I'm, I always get the number wrong, but it's like 2,400, 2,600, something like that. Wow. And then by the time we brought on the other people, it was over 30,000. And then yeah, November 20. So like from June, 2019 to November, 2019, we went from like 36,000 to like 119,000. So like just sticking to that one approach was pretty successful in that time period. There was a ton of growth that happened on like the management part and like communicating internally and being in house versus at an agency. Uh, for the most part, that was like running with my existing expertise. Um, and then of course, once you add multimedia community customer, all those other things in, and I just started learning some new stuff. Yeah. For all those marketers or all the people that are listening that are not marketers, I don't know how many of you there are, but basically Benjamin made magic happen. Literally. It worked. <laughs> And then they let him build a team, which is crazy. Yeah, that's just, I have so many, I want to do that. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you balance sort of wanting to execute that keyword strategy and, and be the person who's doing the things, but then also you were kind of handed management responsibility. Mm -hmm. How did you juggle those two things and what, how did you feel about it? Because you said you didn't really go into it wanting to be, or thinking that you were going to be a people manager right off the bat. 
I definitely didn't think it would right after the bat. I was also like pretty impatient and probably still am relative to what I'll be in five years, but I'm thinking like- that in common. I was gonna say that makes me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Nine months I was like, oh, why haven't I been promoted yet? Like that kind of thing, yeah. um, which like obviously is not like a yep. reasonable But at a tech company that's growing that fast, yeah. like, that is, it's weird that we do have that expectation, right? No, for sure. I think everything changes. Like we even say now, like we reorg every six months, like everything changes super quickly. So I wasn't necessarily planning to go in to a people management role, but as soon as it became clear that like that's sort of the direction that things were going, it was like, yeah, like put me there and then give me some people and we'll start running with stuff. Yeah. The transition, I think it was super slow at first. Like at first it was me writing everything, uh, which was just Right, right, right. Thousands of words. Yeah. Like just a ton. So we, we were able to pair back from it, but it just went from executing to then helping one other person execute. And like, that's what was my introduction to management was managing one person for six yeah. or seven months. And then after the six months, like you bring on three more people and have them do mostly the same things, but you just step out of the execution. And then I was editing more and still doing the keyword research, that kind of stuff. Um, so that transition, I think was pretty smooth. It went from do the thing to teach one person to do the thing to teach more people to do the thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the next evolution up was way more difficult because now I was managing people who could do things that I couldn't do in the same way. And they all like, even before that, there were things that they were better at than I was. Um, so that was like the next big evolution of what does it mean to be a manager? Can talk about it? I talk about it? Probably. <laughs> fully off the outline, by the way. Yeah, we're not even following it at all anymore. Um, you can totally skip questions if you'd like to just but like yeah what what is it like ego wise to manage someone who can do something that you can't yeah because they always say like hire people that are smarter than you or do things like differently or whatever but like does that ever happen like really um i hope it does happen uh, i've tried to do it a couple times at this point the challenge i think like i remember the week that my CMO told me that I would be taking on these other teams and my thought was so misguided at the time. It was like, man, I guess I should take like a production class. Like if I could learn how to do some of this stuff. And it's not that it's not important to understand like what your team works on, I think, but that's also just like not the value that I contribute to that team. Like the value that I contribute there is not that I'm going to do work for them. It's not that I'll have feedback on you should cut this this way or that way. Uh, so I think a lot of it, and which again, like translated well, once some other teams came in as well, uh, a lot of it was appreciating like the manager's role is not to just manage the work. It's to make the whole team more effective. I think the two like the two sort of ways, there are probably more, but the two ways that I think about it are, how do I get support from my team from across the organization? And then uh, how do I make individual people on my team more effective or make the team itself more effective, uh, either through the way I interact with individual people, one-on-ones, uh, feedback, those types of things, or the systems that I put in place for communicating uh, outside of the team or communicating within the team or how we approach deadlines or those types of things. So it's it, it was a realization of like, what is my contribution here? And what my contribution was changed pretty substantially from like being good at words and editing things in SEO to communicating with other managers on the marketing team and outside of the marketing team. 
Yeah, it's all managing people, even if you're in marketing or whatever, it's a lot less of marketing, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, they don't actually need my expertise because I don't even have the time to learn new things anymore. Mm-hmm. But I liked what you said about just like, these people have degrees in video. Like I'm not going to be able to teach them anything about video. Why would I try to do that? And I think that's why Sarah and I hit so much, I mean, so many times on the soft skills is because both of us want to mm-hmm. be managers. And I think that most people would be better if they worked harder on the soft skills than on the hard skills sometimes. So. Yeah. I do find myself getting caught up in the hard skills sometimes though. Cause I want to be able to be empathetic to situations that my direct reports will inevitably encounter. Mm-hmm. And I, if I haven't experienced those things, I don't know if I'll be ready to like give them advice on how to handle it. Cause I would have to first think about how I would handle it yeah. and then translate it into their world. I think so much of that for me, like another piece of that evolution was uh, I had to learn to stop answering questions. And I have also not learned this. I fail at this all the time, but I learned that if I answer a question from my direct report, they will come to me that with a question the next time and they'll come again the next time and they'll come again the next time. And like over time, it creates a team that is trying to guess what's in my head instead of you know, doing what is in their head or what their head tells them to do. It's like, we are not trying to be 13 parts of one brain. That's going to be very ineffective. Uh, We'll be much more effective as 13 brains. So yeah. So like when someone comes with a question, uh, whether or not I know the answer, sometimes uh, I I have to like flip it on them. Uh, I used, and I I messed this up at first too. I was like, oh, what do you think? But that came across sometimes too much. It's like, well, what do you think? Like, (laughs) like aggressive. It's like, no, I don't mean it that way, but I see how it feels that way. So I'd say, I say things like, oh, what would you recommend? Or, or, or can you tell me more about the situation? Just like investigate for more information until they come to an answer on their own. And then sometimes you weigh in, like sometimes you, you go down that line of questioning and you just make a call, but it, it's so easy, especially when you're hopping between meetings, when you get a random Slack, it's like, oh, what should I do about this thing? It's like, oh, do that, of course. But it is, it is, it's a disservice to them. It's a disservice to you because you're going to get more questions and it's a disservice to the team as a whole. Yeah, they probably definitely come more prepared with what they think they want to work on or what they think should be the course of action. And not only just with you, but like with each other probably because you do it that way. I don't know. I've never heard that before. That's really interesting. From like the manage side or like the direct report side, I immediately thought back to conversations that I've had where I answered my own question because mm-hmm. my manager just kept asking me questions to like elaborate. And then I, I would, I'll just keep talking. I'll be like, well, I guess if you think, I guess I'll just, yeah. should I just, I'm going to do this. And yeah. my manager will be like, okay, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, but go do it. And then let me know how it goes kind of thing. I think that's cool to see it from the other side. Um, and also how to phrase that sort of question. Cause sometimes it's not what you're asking, but it's how you're asking it. And especially when you're juggling a million other things and, and 12 other direct reports and someone asks you a question and you mm-hmm. need them to figure it out yourself. Uh, and instead of being like, what do you mean? Uh, knowing, <laughs> knowing how to phrase those questions where you can fire it off kind of quickly and help your direct report enable themselves mm-hmm. but they don't come off as like cold or, rushed or like you don't care uh and i feel like that's especially for people who are impatient uh, and also are moving very quickly all the time that's a good tip of just like what are some 
easy ways to make it make sure that people know that you're not actually trying to be rude you're just moving 15 million miles an hour yeah i i definitely fall into the trap where i i have thoughts and i i have to say them and i'm like no bridget mm-hmm. you don't say them somebody it gives somebody else the opportunity to have their own thoughts and like it's their project anyway so like unless they're asking you specifically for your thoughts don't give them to them this is sort of tangential, but it like gets at a pet peeve of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, we love that. Good. Tangent. Hot take. Let's do it. Hot take. Hot, t- <laughs> hot take in the middle of it. I think there are a lot of like freelancers, consultants, folks who are in that world, folks who are really very good at their specific area of marketing specifically. Mm-hmm. And uh, they will sometimes look at work that's happening inside a company and like, well, why would you do any of these things this way? And they're right. But at the same time, there are so many other factors that affect how that page actually got built. If, as yeah. the organization gets bigger and bigger, it may have been built by someone who wasn't an expert in that stuff, or it was built by committee because it was a controversial decision. Um, and this was the first step towards moving in a good direction. Uh, the flip side of that and why it relates to what we were just talking about, um, and not just a random tangent that I decided to have a hot take on, is you have to let things be wrong sometimes in a particular area. Like it's not going to be right the first time. And even if you have a vision in your head about what right means, you could be wrong by the time things progress, by the time things go through through different iterations. So it really is like, sometimes let it be wrong, focus your attention elsewhere. The people who are doing the work will learn or it'll serve as a springboard for the, for the less wrong uh, version of the work that comes next. Right. I think it becomes a cost benefit thing of like, if it's wrong, is it detrimental? If it's mm-hmm. not detrimental, then it can be a learning experience. And like, we said this so many times on this podcast, but like what we're doing is not rocket science or brain surgery, no matter how many rocket ships emojis there are around. Like it doesn't, it, why do we put so much pressure on ourselves to smash it out of the park every time it, you learn so much more when you're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Question. Do you manage people older than you? I do manage people older than me. Um, what I is that mostly. like? Yeah, I, at first I was sort of uncomfortable about it. I don't know, now it doesn't bother me as much. I think the, uh, the trickier part, so, so there's a piece there that is like, again, what is my contribution? What's the thing that I contribute to this group? And the thing that I contribute to this group is very rarely my age. And so it, uh, I feel a little bit better about that. I think the area where it plays in more is working across teams with other managers, like other folks at my level, where like the folks who I manage are maybe a few years older than me, but they're maybe specialized in a different area or they don't have interest in management or there are like process things that I can contribute in those places. The folks who are other folks at the director or VP level that I'm working with are sometimes like decades older than I am. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, like I'm working on this budget thing. And it's like maybe the first time I've ever done a budget in the way that we're doing it. And they're like, oh, do you do like, I don't even know the terms, like zero-based budgeting or like you don't top bottoms up, tops down. Like, what, how are you thinking about it? And I'm like, I, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting on that front. I think it, it has played both to my, like I have moments sometimes. So like one side of the moment is I cannot believe you're trusting me with this. Like, really? Like that, you're gonna have me do this? 
like I think there are two sides of that coin where people both give you more credit than you think you deserve and also sometimes less credit. Um, so it's, it's definitely, a, yeah, there's definitely a thing with age there. Yeah, imposter syndrome and ego are, uh, they have, play an interesting dance, I think sometimes, at least for me. I'm like, I'm great at this. And then the next day I'm like, what? What? I, mm, maybe I shouldn't be doing this for mm -hmm. work or maybe I shouldn't be in charge of this because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. But I think that's also a byproduct of our industry and our jobs. Like actually mm -hmm. marketing is like everything that we do is made up. So truly wild. Going, going back to the people who are kind of your peers in your company and ha and having that age difference and being a generally quote unquote young person on the leadership team, what is the, what is the hardest like interpersonal dynamic that you've kind of had to combat? And then also like, what are some of the benefits that we might not know about as manager level employees but not ever getting past that yet i think the tricky part with that is that and it, it was in the transition from manager to director that that working across peers became so much more important uh, as a manager it was let's control the output of this group of people and make sure that we're getting the results that we want as a director it's still that except that like I manage managers and the work is much more varied. It's more complicated. It involves working across more teams more often. Th that is like such an interesting dynamic of how do you work across teams effectively? How are you getting what you need from, from other area leaders? I had, I like have been figuring that out and I think I'm doing all right, mm -hmm. but it's, it's the distinction of like, okay, I'm doing this for the first time and this person has done it at each of the last five companies that they've been at. Right. So there's like a little plank from behind there. There's also a, and like I think there are advantages to being young sometimes. Like I can reach out to people who you wouldn't expect to give you the time of day, but they will just because they see like a motivated young person and they want to help out. And you get like a little bit of leeway for that even internally, which is nice, but there is still that dynamic of like, okay, so if I really want to advocate for my team, uh, I need to get very good at this very quickly because the people that I am like not competing with, but like working with are, have been doing it for a long time. Are, I just, am, are you learning so much about like how a business works though? Like outside of the marketing stuff, but like, I imagine that you're getting like invaluable experience at such a young age of like the inside of one of these tech companies, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. Like I, I, before this year, had never had a one-on-one -on -one with our director of success, right? But now I, I talk to that person and most of our conversations are like, what is hard in your world? Like what's going on? Like, I want to understand where constraints are or where struggles are so that I can both let my team know about it and let the other marketing leaders know about it, but also like identify opportunities to help out with the work that we are already doing. And those are definitely things that I would not have done otherwise. Yeah. I wonder, I don't know how I'm going to say this correctly, but I, having been on like a massive marketing team before and like my director never spoke to me as like, mm. and I wasn't even at one point I wasn't even like on the bottom. I was like a middle manager and I still wasn't like getting FaceTime. Like how do you make sure that you're being seen throughout, but also I think more so your job is like making sure that your team is seen throughout the company and yeah. your team is being seen, if that makes sense. 
They're really yeah. good. Uh, I sometimes say to my team, and I've said this for a little while, our ability to do our jobs well is a function of one, how hard people think our jobs are, and then two, uh, how good people think we are at our jobs. Yeah. Uh, especially in content, you'll get so many ideas coming from people all over the place and you don't, like, I love your ideas. I cherish your ideas. I don't need your ideas. Yeah. It's, it's like, a, it's an unfortunate, it's like, oh, if you come to me with that, I have to Do give you an answer. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, so I need to create a situation where like, you're less likely to come to me with those ideas, either because we're already working on other projects, so you don't have the time to come to me with ideas. Or if you're coming to with me with uh, to, a, let me take another run of that sentence. How about that? Uh, if you're coming to me with ideas, it means that you probably have a need that's not being met, uh, or you think that there is something not going well with my team. Uh, probably usually the first one. Uh, so let me dig in and understand that that type of thing. But the other piece is like, how do you build the perception internally? Is I, you you have to like show the highlights every time they happen. Yeah. A lot of people on my team slack me say, oh, we just did this really cool thing. Or like, here's this cool piece of feedback that I got in this webinar that I was just running. Or we saw this percentage increase in people importing our uh, automation recipes. I'm like, post that in the marketing channel. Like just yeah. post it places. Uh, share that stuff anytime it happens. It, it really over time, like it celebrates the result. It puts more visibility onto the work that you're doing. Uh, I sometimes say uh, success leads to success. When you see a successful project, you want to contribute to it because you can see how it would be more successful. It's more likely to work. And that works in the inverse too. Share your success. People will want to be involved in it. So I think there's a component of that. And then, yeah, like I really do think so much of it is understanding what do people want and then finding ways to tie your work to it. Or even if it's maybe sometimes a loose connection. Uh, sell it, uh, sell, sell what you're doing as a way to solve the, the challenges that they're facing. Yeah. That's really, I, I think identifying those situations where, especially on a marketing team that gets a ton of requests from sales and CS. No, but I think taking their requests in and maybe finding a way to, like, obviously if that person is a customer, mm-hmm. then there are more customers like, prospects customers like them out there so how do I take what they want and like make it work for more things if I can't do that then I'm not doing it yeah yeah I think that's just like one of those leadership skills that you have to develop by seeing stuff yeah like Mm -hmm. do it just just running it past someone else and being like is this a situation in which we would do x y and z yeah that's how I mean even tactically that's how I've been approaching more of my conversations with my boss is like I think this is what we should do and he says okay or no, try again. <laughs> <laughs> try again. Try again. Oh man, I think. Oh, I have one more, uh, like work question, and then we can learn more about your cheese. How did your because you got promoted so quickly? How did kind of your relationships change with your peers as you mm. went up the ranks? And did they also follow you while you were doing that, or did they go in other tracks? And was it weird to have to now tell? someone who was a peer what you expect of them as more of a, an authority figure there were definitely peers who now report to me which was a little strange in some cases it usually faded after the first few weeks and i think it goes back to that same theme of uh what's my contribution 
And in every case, it wasn't like my contribution is that I'm going to tell you how to do this work. Mm-hmm. It, it was my contribution is I uh, know how our CMO is going to want to hear this, or my contribution is I can go work with our site team to get this thing that's hard to get otherwise, or my contribution is just helping the person like break down the work into smaller steps or understand what they can get from the rest of the content team, like those types of things. So it's like just being really clear, like what am I contributing? What is my role? Uh, My role is not to be the best at community. My role is to uh, have the best community. Um, And that doesn't necessarily mean that I have to do that work. Wow. Tell them. Damn. I just want to have an hour long conversation every day, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. We've got our Slack channel now, so we can yeah, uh, send me up. Um, but anywho, tell um, us about your dairy situation. How, ooh, also follow up question to what's currently in your fridge. Did you notice a difference of the cheese varieties from Chicago grocery stores to main grocery stores? I have not set foot in a main grocery store. Yes. Which is Instacart and stuff with COVID. Yeah, Instacart. So uh, there is check back think, with that rain check. Uh, on that one. Rain check. The, the sequel episode will yeah, let uh, us know in like July. Banger. Yeah. Right. The big reveal. Yeah, I think it's probably more like Vermont cheddar. Uh, I would say is a safe guess, uh, and that is also the cheese that I have in my fridge right now. Uh, wow. The Cabot Vermont cheddar specifically. I think yes. Because okay. Cabot, that factory is straight up in Burlington, Vermont. Like it's. Okay, but what, yeah. are you, what are you cooking? What are you using it on with in? I just like maybe an hour and a half ago made some huevos rancheros that was loaded, loaded with the with cheese. It was fantastic. Okay, so I'm moving to Maine. <laughs> We're all going to Maine. That sounds delightful. Yum. Wow, yum. Heck yeah. Need a minute. Like, I just want to eat that now. Now I'm going to have to go to the grocery store attached to my building and just be like, I need a grocery store attached to your building. Wow. She's living the luxury apartment lifestyle. Uh, Is there a gym? Um, There is a gym. I've been in there every morning. It's been very good. There's a pool. Um, Good. (laughs) Wow. Um, I, this was a really good conversation. I kind of want to publish this one tomorrow instead of the one that I literally just um, edited, but it's fine because we're all that. This is why we do this as a habit because we will we'll get better. Our next, anyway, this was dope. Um, we can do a quick K love you bye, then stop the recording, but keep stay on the zoom if we want to keep chatting. Cause this was grand. Okay. Love you. Bye. Okay. Love you. Bye. <laughs>